text of the message this morning is John chapter 14, continuing that series, finishing the chapters, verses 25 to 31. Well, the special focus is on the first two verses, 14 verses 25 and 26. We'll read together John 14, verses 25 to 31, page 901, if you'd like to read along. Lord Jesus, after promising the Spirit, says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did you ever think about or read about what it took to write a book in the time of the disciples? You think your parents and your grandparents had it hard when they had to write everything down on paper with pens instead of just working with computers and with digital documents. The days of the disciples just getting a piece of, of paper, something to write on. It was labor-intensive work. You either had to use a, a mat that was made out of thin strips of the triangular three-inch papyrus reeds that had been gathered from the Nile River and then pressed together two directions. Or you would have to use treated animal skins called parchment or vellum. So few people knew how to write, and books were so expensive that even when the Apostle Paul wrote a letter, it would require a lot of effort to ensure that it was passed on to the neighboring congregations. It was a, very, a real treasure. Even hundreds of years after our Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, the cost of all those folios and, and parchments and copying scribes who were working for months on end, writing every word of scripture down in order to produce one new copy of the Bible. It cost 30,000 denarii, 40 years wages. No wonder it took a wealthy Christian emperor and the year 313, his name was Constantine, and a state decree to ensure that 
most cities where churches were located had just one copy of the Bible. Living after the invention of the printing press and the technological advances of this digital age, it's hard to even imagine that the Bible that we paid 30 to $50 for or that Bible on your smartphone app that you got for free, it would have been almost inaccessible to the average human being outside of a church building for almost 1,600 years after Christ Jesus went up into heaven. It's in this context that our Lord Jesus told his disciples to keep his words. And look at John 14, verse 24. Keep my words. We can see them wondering how, how could future generations know Jesus' words if he was going to go away. Although Jesus promised in verses 12 to 14 of this chapter that he would answer their prayers. And then as we looked at last week in verses 15 to 24, that he would dwell in their hearts so that they would know how to walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. He would dwell in their hearts by the Spirit. The disciples could quickly see that they would also need divine help to preserve the words, the gospel message of peace in Christ that he was preaching to them. In the words of our text, our Lord Jesus, that our Lord Jesus spoke, they are an amazing comfort to believers in all ages. I preach to you this gospel. The Holy Spirit preserves the gospel message, peace in Christ. And we'll see that he preserves it through human witnesses, secondly, through inspired writings, and also through all times and places. So in our text today, it's important to understand that our Lord Jesus was talking about different kinds of work that the Holy Spirit would continue to do after our Lord Jesus ascended into heaven. In the verses before our text, the, the Lord Jesus promised that he would not leave the church alone as orphans. And he explained that the, the Holy Spirit would be with them forever. This was a general reference to the change that would take place after Pentecost when God's people would become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But as Jesus moves on to teach the disciples about the importance of the words that the Father spoke to them through Jesus Christ, you'll notice in our text, verses going from 23 to 25, that our Lord Jesus is, is shifting the focus a bit. Now he's going to speak about the disciples' particular responsibility in the coming years. So you can see that after giving general instruction in verse 23 about anyone who loves him and keeps his word, and then whoever does not, the Lord Jesus then addresses his disciples directly to speak about what they, those 12 men there, what they must do with the, with the Father's word they are hearing from Jesus' mouth. 
while he was still with them on the earth. When our Lord Jesus was with his disciples, he had given much instruction about who he was and why he had come. Now he was going up, and it was up to them to understand and to remember everything. When we remember how often we're reading through the Gospels, and we read that the disciples did not understand what Jesus was doing or what he was saying at that, that time, we can understand that at this moment, they felt quite troubled and quite afraid. They look back, you can almost imagine going, uh oh, we, we don't even remember and understand what, what he was saying at the time. How, how can we have this responsibility? Imagine if the faith of the next generation, the revelation of God to them, depended on your ability to accurately transmit the gospel of peace that was preached by the Son of God that you had been following around for several years. Imagine to hear those words, that responsibility. It's a good thing that our Lord Jesus promised a helper from heaven for the disciples, like we read in verse 25, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come as his emissary, as one sent from Jesus Christ. And then you'll see that there's two things that are promised. Not only would he help them remember everything that Jesus had said, but he would also teach them give them a, a comprehensive understanding of all the work of Jesus Christ and its significance for the future of, a, of the church. Our Lord promised these instruments of the Holy Spirit his own help so that they could be confident eyewitnesses of all that occurred, who could also properly interpret what they had seen well, when we read through the book of John, we can see that this promise is fulfilled. For on several occasions, after accurately describing what they had seen as faithful eyewitnesses, John adds in that although when the event happened, the disciples did not understand what they were seeing later, after Jesus was glorified, they did understand. I'd like to note where that is. It's in John 2, verse 19 and following, and John 12, verse 16. For this reason, John is able to give some explanatory notes about the significance of what had happened or what Jesus said. You can see that in John 7, verses 37 to 39. We read that last week. And he gives that right alongside his eyewitness account by mentioning that the Holy Spirit would teach the disciples all things, Jesus also assures the church, the, the readers of the scriptures today, that the Spirit's revelation and guidance in the truth would extend even to those events that happened 
after this last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. So the day of Pentecost. John 14, verses 25 to 26 assures us that when we read the Gospels, we have access to the exact words that Jesus spoke. We could study the words of the Son of God word for word. It's important for us to note that by sending out his own disciples as witnesses, the preaching of the gospel was really and is really the preaching of the facts that have been testified to by eyewitnesses. Our faith is not an ideology. It's not the musings of men as they try and look at the world, assess what is happening. It's not philosophy. It's not a philosophy. The Christian faith is, is not based on human interpretations of things that happen. It's not based even on the will of man. It's not a, a movement to try shape a society that comes from people. But the gospel, the message, the Christian faith is based on real, visible, and concrete things that the Son of God did, said, while he was on earth, what the Lord himself has done. In John 15, verses 26 to 27, so that would be the next chapter, the Lord Jesus further defines the task of the disciples to say that the Helper will bear witness about Jesus. And also the disciples were to bear witness because they had been with Jesus from the beginning. It's all about transmitting, preserving what our Lord Jesus did, what God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has done. And so the Lord called them to just give a faithful eyewitness account of all that they had heard and seen while they were accompanying Jesus Christ. And in Acts 1 verse 8, that's how he sends them out. He says, go out and be my witnesses. Tell the world what I have done, what the Lord has done. And so remembering the promise of, that the Holy Spirit would speak for and through the disciples, even when they were brought to trial, the disciples would boldly go out into the world and simply preach what God has done. Even on the day of Pentecost itself, Peter simply preached about what he had seen Jesus do, how that fulfilled the, the prophecies, the Psalms of the Old Testament. He just preached what he heard Jesus say. If you read through the book of Acts and, and all the letters, the epistles, you'll see it's the same thing. You see, brothers and sisters, this eyewitness account of the work of the Lord through his son Jesus Christ is the gospel. These historical facts, they do not change with the changing times that we live in. And so the gospel message of peace in Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit delivered to the saints 
will also remain the same throughout all ages and all places in the world, as we'll see later on. In this church, we proclaim, we celebrate the work of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can do so today because in that ongoing linear unfolding of the history of redemption, there came a moment when our Lord Jesus said to some men, preserve what I have said, my spirit will help you. And they collected the oral teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and their notes, everything else that the church needed to know so that nothing would be lost for future generations. We're amazed to see that the early New Testament preaching consisted of repeating the one and the same gospel that, that we repeat today. The one truth eventually written down and collected as holy scriptures. The Holy Spirit preserves the gospel message through the witnesses, but also through the inspired writings. Very important to note that the Holy Spirit's work is focused on Jesus Christ's words. The words and the works that he did once and for all. The work of the Holy Spirit does not introduce new ideas. Does not provide different ways to peace with God. Ways that maybe fit the, the feeling of the age. But he constantly points us to and applies the accomplished work of Jesus Christ to our hearts and to our lives. The Lord Jesus was clear. I want you to, to preserve my words, what I have done. And so the Spirit applies the accomplished work of salvation that our Lord Jesus completed once and for all. And this is the gospel message spoken by eyewitnesses. And it's the heart of the message of all the written scriptures, as is so clearly indicates. Well, since Jesus' contemporaries had seen it for themselves, they had been there, they were on the holy mountain, says Peter, they did not bear witness to Jesus Christ for themselves, for their own benefit, but they bore witness for others, for the benefit of the people around them, for the, the benefit of the future generations. Peter explains this very clear in that second letter that we read together. After urging believers to diligently confirm their calling and election by leading a godly life, Peter explains that he will make every effort so that after he is gone, the church may be able at any time to recall these things. It's interesting that the very letter in which Peter explains his intention becomes the scriptures that accomplish exactly what Peter wants to do. In the gospel that he wrote, we see both a clear eyewitness account. He talks about that in chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, as well as a clear interpretation of the account that Peter learned 
from the Holy Spirit who was teaching him all things. The eyewitness accounts were transferred from oral preaching into words written down on paper. And John then even ends that gospel that he had written with his hand with a stamp of certification, you could say. John 21, verse 24 says, This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, if you turn, and you, sh you should probably do that, turn to the beginning of Luke. If you look at the beginning of Luke, we're going to read that together as well. It's on page 855 for quick reference. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. If you read that together, you're able to get a better of under understanding of all that happened in this, this transference, this transmission. Here we read, And inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. The orderly account of historical things that happened was given in order to give certainty to the things that were heard. John explains at the end of his gospel, John 21, verse 25, that although the eyewitnesses had seen many more signs than the, those that were written down in the book of John, he says, the events that he did record, and then I quote what he says, they were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That was the text that was displayed as you were walking in. They were written so that you may have life, so that your life may be changed. The Spirit is, is working through that gospel. God, the Holy Spirit, wants you to know, yes, he wants the world to know, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is Lord and King. And as the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to increase in our knowledge of the triune God, like we sang together in Psalm 40, our text today assures us that everything that the disciples wrote down is true and complete. The Gospels are not just the recollections of, of some educated fishermen who were chatting together in the boat and going, remember when this happened? Remember when this happened? We should take some notes and, and write this down. But in reality, God the Holy Spirit himself helped Jesus' very own disciples and eyewitnesses to remember exactly what was said and also to interact 
with those events through inspired reflection. So Peter gave, gives the rule. He gives the rule concerning the written scriptures, and we read that together, 2 Peter 1, verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Although we know that Paul was a mere human being who wrote letters to show different church groups how to live in accordance with the gospel that they were professing, we know that his writings were called scriptures. We read that at the end of 2 Peter chapter 3. His writings were considered scriptures and, of the, and among the sacred writings that are able to make a person wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17, the Holy Spirit tells us all scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God breathing out these very words that we can hold and study so that we may be equipped for our good. You'll look closely at the text, 2 Timothy 3, and you'll see that the Bible is not just the words of men that God breathed into, but the Bible is the divine voice that God breathes out. The powerful voice of Psalm 29 that we'll sing about, it has been translated into the words that are on the pages of the books that, that we can hold and, and study. They are, as we sang in Psalm 12, they're pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. We praise the Holy Spirit for preserving the gospel message through Christ's witnesses and through the words of God that, that they wrote down so that we can continue to hear and to study and to preach and to grow in the gospel. This helps us to understand our place in God's plan and the task that he has given to us as the gospel message of Christ continues to be proclaimed through all times and places. You'll see in verse 27, John 14, verse 27, that the Lord Jesus promised that he would leave his peace with them. And the context makes it very clear that our Lord Jesus is not just saying, peace be with you, bidding farewell to his disciples. When our Lord Jesus gives peace, he doesn't just tell you that things are going to be okay and, and leave you like the world does, but he is able to make things okay. The Lord Jesus promised the disciples a happiness that they would experience as a result or, or after his departure from them. And today we can see this promise fulfilled. For Jesus did enter into the greatness of his Father when he ascended into heaven. And as a result, 
see in verse 30, he's talking about why they should rejoice. As a result, he could send the Holy Spirit to be in our midst and to protect us from the ruler of this world. It is a testimony to Christ's victory that today we may know the gospel of peace in Jesus Christ even as we open a book, a Bible, here in Edmonton, Alberta in 2019. It's just been just under 2,000 years since the eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry made every effort to ensure that the next generation of believers had an accurate and precise account of all that had been accomplished among them. As the Holy Spirit provided Jesus and the, and the New Testament authors with a, with a preserved copy of the Old Testament, so also today we can praise him that we continue to have the scriptures in our midst. Not just one copy in every city, or even most cities where there were churches, but we have several copies in many different languages of the world, in every home and every church building, with more available on our phones and on our computers. And since the Holy Spirit has also ensured that the original languages did not disappear from use, from use and that the thousands of fragments of those copying scribes in that era of time these copies of these original documents are still available to verify and to confirm the one gospel message believed on through all those ages. We can be confident that the Bible in our hand is not missing a single part of that gospel message of peace that our Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples while he was with them. God's word is here as a complete testimony of the truth. We can give his revealed word. We can, we can give it to someone and say, read it. That's the message. Study it. Test it. Evaluate it. And believe it. Believe it. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word that we believe, that we proclaim, that we translate, that we distribute. And the contrast in our text between the world. You can see that he talks about the, the world and he talks about himself. And the contrast between the ruler of this world and our Lord and Savior. That contrast means that the gospel that the Holy Spirit preserves always confronts the reader with a choice. Will you believe the gospel message of peace with God in Christ Jesus as revealed in this word and so live? Or will you ignore the gospel and perish? When we open the Bible, 
We read the message that the Holy Spirit, that God decided to preserve for us and for our well-being. When we open it, we find that in this book, God reveals a most wonderful offer of grace, of salvation, of peace, and of freedom can be found in no other book, no other religion, no other place. This offer of life and hope is timeless and transcultural because it is a repetition of the work of God, historical facts. The Son of God who took on human flesh. That's the message we repeat all the different languages of the world, wherever you go, whatever time, whatever place, whatever status of wealth or poverty, Jesus Christ has finished his work once and for all, and he is the only mediator through whom we have access to the Father in heaven. There are only two ways to live, and the Bible reveals the only way to life, no matter where you live, where you live who you are. That way to life is to believe the message of the gospel, to believe in Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, let us ensure that we are learning and studying this preserved word with diligence, for it is a treasure of inestimable value delivered into your lives by the, the will of God, by the love of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so available today. It may not always be. In China, very difficult to get a copy of the Bible, even turned off the access to Bibles via the Internet. Since we're so digitally based, uh, you can imagine if the electricity of our country was ever cut off or the internet was taken away, we would, we would lose so much access to that Bible. But right now we, we have a lot of access to the Bible. Just because you don't have to spend 40 years wages on one copy of the Bible, it doesn't mean that we should treasure the Bible any less. God speaks to us through his word. And as Peter said, we do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Though men may, may throw the, the truth away, and that's the danger of having it written in a book, or they may stop reading or, or may stop listening to the Bible, they may resist the Holy Spirit, God is faithful, and the Holy Spirit will preserve the gospel message until our Lord Jesus returns. Every time you take the Bible in your hands and you read the words preserved in it by God, the Holy Spirit, remember to give thanks to God for the privilege of having his revelation. Amen.